Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast space where life feels lighter. You know, sometimes life can have us feeling worn out and weighed down, locked up and left out, or just simply looking for more. And if that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. Freed Up has a word for you. Perhaps in arguably the most challenging areas in our lives that call us to courage up are those experiences of loss that cause grief and sadness. While we are fully aware that loss is a reality and a necessary part of our lived experiences, we still find it difficult to reconcile its visitation upon our lives and manage the aftermath. And so in this episode and the next, I wanna talk about how we can courageously feel the pain of loss and grieve it. So get your seat, come on in and let's get started. It was everywhere, on every radio and TV station, every social media news source. It was suggested that it even crashed some internet search engines for a short few moments. The shocking and unfathomable headline, Kobe Bryant has died in a fatal helicopter crash. It's been about two weeks now and it feels like it was just yesterday. I still remember exactly where I was when I heard about it and who first texted me to tell me. I remember what I did for those few moments immediately following in my efforts to fact check the shocking news. Because of a few other commitments, I didn't make it home until close to two hours after I had heard the news that rocked my world, and really large parts of the world. I was in utter disbelief and fell into an instant state of acute grief over what had happened. You see, those that know me very well know that I have been a Los Angeles Lakers basketball fan since I was a young teen, and I've been a fan of Kobe Bryant's since his arrival into the NBA in 1996. I was ecstatic that he played his entire career with my favorite sports team. So this was very hard to hear about him and his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi a rising basketball star herself, along with seven other individuals who were loved and adored by their families, yet lost their lives in a distressing and devastating fashion. Since that time, and for a variety of reasons, including feeling a special connection to those that died, coupled with the tragic and very unexpected way that the loss happened and was reported, Many have openly and privately grieved and mourned this loss in ways that have been surprising and in some senses unprecedented. Even for those that didn't follow this iconic star, just the identification with and empathy for all the deceased's family members and closest friends that were left behind has been emotionally overwhelming. This experience of loss has so many layers to it and it's likely affected us all in some way. The fact that this tragedy seemed to happen to someone who was just getting into the stride of a new life's season at 41 years old has hit home for someone who is that age right now. The fact that a father and daughter who shared an amazing bond through love and sports has deeply touched the hearts of men of all ethnicities and ages all around the globe 
and has inspired fathers to post on social media pictures of them and their daughters using the hashtag girl dad. Then the fact that friends, coaches, colleagues, and other parents were lost in this crash has profoundly impacted many who wonder what it might be like to lose someone on their team, lose a friend, a neighbor, a mentor, or someone that inspired them and their kids. Then there's the fact that wives, husbands, kids who are left behind must somehow find a way to grapple with the reality of this. And that feels so surreal still. And maybe for you, hearing about this loss simply just brought up some not so distant memories of a particular loss or losses in your life. The death of a loved one or some other very painful occurrence that is still tender for you. And just hearing about this tragedy started a new cycle of hurt and sadness all over again for you. Grief is the response of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors connected to the loss of something important. While the loss I talked about today was in the context of a tragedy that resulted in multiple deaths, we know that losses occur as a result of a wide range of experiences, like being let go from or leaving a job or being forced into retirement, having to financially scratch and scrimp after having once enjoyed a financially stable lifestyle, experiencing a disability of some kind, or being told about a health issue that will cause you to lose your hair, a limb, or some other valuable part of your being that is a treasured part of your identity. A loss like having something stolen from you that was irreplaceable, or losing something that had an extreme sentimental value. Loss can be felt when you expected something to happen that you looked forward to and it didn't come to pass. Loss is felt in miscarriage, infertility, and in abortion. It occurs when the rights of someone are disrespected and violated. It is felt when a dream is deferred or defied. Loss happens when a marriage ends, a friendship dies, a relationship with a significant other falls apart, when a child and a parent or siblings choose to no longer speak or interact with one another. Loss happens with life stage transitions, getting older, or just any transition, changing neighborhoods, cities, or schools. And loss that causes grief is immeasurable for each person that experiences it. It has no equal, even when similarities exist between other losses. And loss changes us. It shifts our level of comfort and shakes our confidence. And loss always presents us with a choice. We can either cower down in it or courage up through it. And listen, no judgment if you are struggling to courage up in grief. You see, the process of grieving is not easy. It takes courage to feel pain. But if we go the other path, we only delay the healing process. We know that. You know, sometimes we might be tempted to do one of these things. Suppress it. This was one of my all-time go-tos at one time. Suppressing it by stopping yourself from thinking or feeling it. And we know that doesn't help because when we stuff emotions down, 
they will eventually come up and out in other ways. Or we might shortchange it. And this means that we might acknowledge part of the loss and not the totality of the situation because it might just be too painful to take on the full magnitude of what's happened. Or we might substitute it. We could decide that we'll display something different on the outside than what is really an accurate representation of our feelings, thoughts, and emotions on the inside. And this masking might be a needed coping mechanism in the short run to manage the hurt, but substituting doesn't last. So listen, friends, we have to find a way to courage up in our grief so we can get freed up. But how do we do this? Well, today I wanna share three spiritual principles that I believe will help us courage up as we grieve the losses in our lives. First, we need to grieve with help. Grieve with help. Grieving is a time where we generally feel very vulnerable and fragile. It's tempting to just want to pull away from everyone and everything and just hide away. Does that sound like you? And while we're in the acute stages of grief, this might be a necessary first part of grounding yourself and absorbing the shockwaves of the loss. But it's in these moments where we need to remember that we don't have to and shouldn't go it alone. Our grief journey should occupy two spaces, time for ourselves and God and time with others. And this might vary by person depending on what feels most comfortable for you. Some want to be in the presence of others immediately after something painful happens. Others initially want time alone. And in those times where you feel the need to be alone, remember, you are not by yourself. You have a helper that longs to hold you and comfort you. And he tells you, cast your cares on me because I care for you. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm chapter 34. And in that chapter, verse four and five says this, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And in verse 18, it reminds us, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God offers help and he invites you to look to him for it. And then there's Psalm 121, verse one and two, and it says from the message translation, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains. And listen, y'all, if God can do all of that, he can help you and me through our times of grief. But that's just one leg of the grief journey. The process of grieving is a path to walk with others as well. Now, there's this book in the Old Testament near Proverbs. It's called Ecclesiastes, and it's chapter four, verse nine and 10 that says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. To effectively grieve with help, 
we need to grieve with the support of others. You know, even Jesus demonstrated the need for help during his times of grief. The book of Isaiah in chapter 53 describes Jesus as a man of sorrows, one who was fully acquainted with grief. Jesus didn't just know about sadness. It was a big part of his life on earth. And that's why he can sympathize with us when we grieve. In the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus prepared for his impending arrest and subsequent sacrifice on the cross, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 33 through 35, Jesus took with him three who were his inner circle support system, Peter, James, and John. And he told them that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow. And he asked for their help in keeping watch in the surroundings to give him time to cry out to his heavenly father. Yes, even Jesus demonstrated that grieving requires help, help from God and help from others. So don't go the path of grief alone. Have you asked God to help you grieve the loss that has hurt you? And who is your support team? Is it your Bible study group? Your book club friends? Is it a grief support group? Your family? Your inner circle? Ask for help from God and from others. And then the second thing we have to do is we have to grieve toward our healing. See, grief is a process that is continuous and fluid. The goal is to get to a place where we can integrate the loss that we've experienced in our lives in a way that allows us to keep having a quality of life, a full life, in spite of the loss that occurred. Yes, the big goal of grief is to get to a place of healing. We don't want to get stuck in sorrow. We want to continue the process for as long as it takes so that we can live freed up and not fed up. You know, when I think of grieving toward healing, I think of this woman in Mark chapter 5. The Bible says this woman had what was called an issue of blood, and this was equivalent to having a nonstop menstrual cycle. She experienced this every day for 12 years. You see, in this culture and time, a woman was considered unclean during the days of her menstruation, which would generally last about seven days. And anything she touched during that time, including any person, would be considered unclean as well. And once the monthly had run its course, then women would follow the proper cleansing process and then they could fold back into their daily routines and connections with others. And in this particular woman's case, because her bleeding was continuous for years, she remained customarily unclean and this had enormous and painful consequences associated with it. She couldn't go to religious services. She couldn't go to the marketplace or serve in customary roles for women in the home. And that affected her ability to have a tribe, a social circle with whom she could interact. She wasn't a desirable wife choice. She was one that people stayed away from so that they wouldn't become unclean. She likely smelled badly. She had to live in isolation. She was also without financial means because she had spent everything that she had earned trying to get better. She'd gone to several doctors, but with no favorable results. 
Can you imagine her pain? Her grief? She had lost tremendously. She experienced the loss of a normal lifestyle, a chance to live like everyone else around her. The loss of thriving in the role she could have in her society. The loss of her vibrancy and energy. The loss of her health. The loss of meaningful relationships with almost everyone. The loss of community and the loss of being loved. And yet, while she experienced the spiritual, social, and emotional pain resulting from her physical condition, because she so desperately wanted to be healed, she pressed through in her pain and grief and reached out for her healing. Courageously, in spite of knowing that her touching Jesus and anyone else in the crowd would make them unclean, she still reached out to touch the hem of his garment and instantly she was healed. You see, this woman grieved, but she did so with her heart set on her healing. She believed that Jesus would and could heal her, and he did. And this brings me to a very important factor, friends, that is needed in your grief toward healing. And that's the faith factor. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith whispers to you that you will get through the grief season that you're in. Even if you don't see it right now, you know it will come. Faith tells you that you'll get through the funeral services, the lonely nights and long, seemingly never-ending days, the crying spells. Faith will call you to start over even when you don't think you can make it another day. Faith declares to you that you'll push through the treatments and hospital visits. You'll move beyond the feelings of shame and embarrassment because of the failed marriage. You'll build up your savings yet another time. You'll try to get pregnant again. Faith reminds you that you'll recreate yourself and have joy in a job that you never expected you'd find, that you will finish that degree that you will make it as a single mother or single father. And you know what? Your faith will cause you to reach out for your healing, no matter what you've been through or are going through. When you grieve, begin with the end in mind. Know that you aren't starting a process that has no destination in mind. You are headed somewhere, and that is to a place of healing. Not to minimize the emotions you feel or forgetting the losses completely, but just choosing to live in spite of them. So go ahead, grieve with help and grieve toward your healing. And lastly, grieve with hope. Maybe you're wondering how you can have hope when it feels like you've lost everything. Or maybe you feel that you keep having one loss after another after another and you're running way short on hope. Now, please hear this. The best approach we have when anyone is feeling overwhelmed and in the throes of grief is to sit with them, love on them, listen to them, and comfort them with as few words as possible. You see, sometimes we just need to hold the space for others to feel their pain. No cliches, no Bible verses, no super spiritual lingo, no quotes. And once they've had some time to cry out to God for help and release some fresh emotions, then we can share about some loving promises God has made to them 
and then pray that those promises will renew hope in their heart yet one more time. Hope cannot be manufactured. It must be cultivated. And if you are low on hope, here are just a few promises that I pray are seeds that will eventually grow hope again in your heart. First, know that God has a purpose for you still. He works all things together for our good, even in death, even in loss, even through our pain and in spite of our suffering. And many of us have heard Jeremiah's words in chapter 29, 11 that says, God knows the plans that he has for you. They are for your future, for your hope, not to harm you, but to prosper you. His purposes stand and he brings them to pass no matter what. And then know that God has prepared something for you. In the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples that is intended to comfort them as he prepares to leave them to fulfill God's plan for his death and resurrection. He comforts them with these words in John 14, verse 6. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. So listen, we can have hope because we have a place prepared for us that will outweigh the hurt and pain that we will experience in this life. And then God's peace is with you. In John chapter 16, Jesus extends his conversation with his disciples and he gives them a heads up about what they're gonna face living in the world after he's gone. He gave them all the reasons he was telling them these things. He told them because he didn't want them to turn away from their faith when things got difficult. And he also simply wanted to warn them like any good friend would do. And then he says to them in verse 33 of chapter 16, I have told you these things so that you can have peace. Living here on earth, y'all, has its fair share of trouble. We've all experienced that. But you, be encouraged. You, courage up. You have hope because I have overcome this world. That's the mighty good news for today and every day that follows. The world we live in is a broken one. And as long as we live here, we will face the reality of loss, ongoing losses. But we have God's peace. And when Jesus talked about this peace that he leaves us, he said it like this. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And aren't you glad that in your brief moments, now and in the future, that God has made a way for us to courage up? Well, that's our time for today, y'all. Meet me back here for the next episode, which will be part two of this focus on being courageous in our grief. We will look at the clinical aspects of grief 
and walk through some very practical strategies for helping us on our path toward healing and being freed up. And as always, God loves you. I love you. And make sure you take care of you.